Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. All right, well, we're in the book of John. It's really exciting to be all together and together as all locations as well, because this is a time that we do a spiritual growth campaign where all of us, not just Tamworth, not just the 10 o'clock service and the 8.30 service, but every location joins in together for the month of May in the book of John. And uh, there's weekend messages that will come primarily out of the book of John. There's midweek studies that we'd love you to get together in small groups of two and three or more and study through the book of John. But the way that you'll get the most out of it is in the daily devotions. That's we're going to read through the whole book of John as a church in the month of May. So just imagine for a second, if even 80% of all the teenagers and adults of the church across this region would read through the book of John, I am confident that that would change our life. Because the Bible says that it is living and active. It's able to divide between the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So we're going to throw up a QR code. That is your easiest way to access all the resources from the book of John. Um, The first little um, link is the book of John. If you click on that, then that takes you to the daily devotions. They're all there. um, And the midweek studies as well. And you can have them on your phone. If you're someone like, yeah, I just can't get my way around a phone, find a young person Um, get them to do it. Or if you're young, find an old person, get them to do it for you. But I'm happy to print it for you uh, because I love paper. Hate the environment, clearly. Okay. Um, All right. So um, we're going to, in our daily readings this week, go through 1 to 4, John 1 to 4. But today I'd love us to hone in on a man that pops up in chapter 1, not Jesus, he's all through it, um, but John the Baptist. And we'd love to hone in on John the Baptist. Next week, we'll look at Peter, the Pentecostal. The week after that, we'll look at Matthew, the Presbyterian. That's a preacher's joke. Does God like coffee? Hebrews. Okay. Um, John the, yeah, thank you. Um, so John the Baptist is John the Baptizer. It's not his denomination that he's a part of. John the Baptizer. And I'm going to read a large chunk of scripture. I'd love you to follow along pay particular attention to what John says because that's what we're going to be talking about. So I'll read this large chunk and, uh, and we'll get stuck into it. John chapter 1, verse 6. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Other versions, your version might say, grace and truth. It's one of my favourite descriptors of Jesus. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me. Verse 19, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? Like Rafiki and Simba. He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptise? John told them, I baptise with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognise. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. 
This encounter took place in Bethany, an area, of the, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptising. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me. He was far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognise him as the Messiah, but I have been baptising with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptise with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see. He said it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place he was staying and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard about what John said and followed Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 22, then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptising people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptising at Aenon near Salem because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptising people. And everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you. I'm not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true For he is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll quicken your word to us. Open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, let it do its work. Don't let it return void. You say that it won't. So we trust you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at know who you are and who you aren't. Lessons from John the Baptist. Know who you are and who you aren't. Some lessons from John the Baptist. In 1992, a few days after my 12th birthday, which was on July 21st. Pause so that you can write that down. Uh, July 21st, the Summer Olympics were held in Barcelona, Spain. And Jose Carreras and some woman, sorry, woman, saying, amigos para siempre means you'll always be my friend, but bing, bada boom means a love that will not end. Do you remember it? It was amazing, amigos para siempre. It was like number one, the only Spanish song, I think, oh, apart from living la vida loca, <laughs> that then came, um, that we've had. But it was 1992, it was Barcelona, Spain. Uh, it was Kathy Freeman's first Olympics. It was the first time that we'd had an Aboriginal Australian represent and um, she didn't medal that year. She did the next year and obviously the, I mean, the next Olympics and the following. 
Kieran Perkins got gold in the 1500 metres. Hayley Lewis medalled in the pool. Nicole Stevenson, I'm saying a bunch of names that none of you care about. But I, as every other primary school student, dutifully went to the newsagent and bought a big coloured piece of cardboard and drew some Olympic rings on them and wrote some bubble writing on the top and typed up some facts and cut them out in zigzaggy ways and put them on the piece of paper, piece of cardboard. And for all of you under 30, that's called a school project, okay? And every student, primary student, and every teacher of primary school had their students do school projects about the Olympics. And I, along with every other primary school student, thought maybe one day I'll go to the Olympics. I'm half decent at something. Maybe one day I'll get there. Now, never mind the fact that the only race I could beat Alison Williams or Kate Nager in who first and second did every single swimming race was backstroke because I have massive legs and, and you don't worry about upper body and backstroke, you just try not to hit the rope and I could kick faster than the rest of them, that I could only, you know, beat them in that and couldn't actually make it to even zone, that, that there came a time that I had to realise I'm not going to the Olympics. Anyone been there? Anyone still in counselling about not being able to go to Olympics? Um... What do you do when a moment like that dawns on you? Well, it's best to realise who you are and who you aren't. Who you are and who you aren't. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, who even aren't you? And turn to the person on the other side and say, who the heck do you think you aren't? And because John the Baptist's narrative in John starts with who he isn't. It starts with him talking about who he isn't. He isn't Elijah. Calm down, everybody, please. (laughs) He isn't the prophet. He isn't the anointed one. He isn't the Messiah. And I just want to let you know, neither are you. You're not Jesus. Sorry. Has anyone ever had a Messiah complex or a saviour complex? See how that then plays out when you think that maybe you can rescue people is that you try to control situations or you try to control what people are saying or, or you try to feel ultra-responsible. And, and you, 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 yeah, it's about them and you really care for them, but it's also about you feeling useful and significant and appreciated. You aren't Jesus. And John the Baptist knew it. We might go, well, of course he knew it. Jesus is the son of God. Of course John the Baptist knew it. But I want you to consider something. Andy Stanley talks about comparison in the best way that I hear anyone talk about comparison. He does a series called The Comparison Trap. And one of the things that he says is that you don't tend to compare yourself or or struggle with comparison with someone who is completely unlike you. Consider, for those of you who know her, Christelle Matumaini, pastor of Gunnedah Church. She is Miss Universe, okay? She has the voice of an angel. Her husband and her have PDAs all the time, like public displays of affection. Pastor Mike kisses her in front of the church, on the lips. And and I just want to say that they sing together and it's amazing. Now, if Daz and I were to sing together, it would be amazing in a different way altogether. Daz is uncomfortable with PDAs, with public displays of affection. In fact, at Heart and Soul... On, on Thursday night, he was getting into worship. I went to lean in to say something to him like, Daz, just get up whenever you want if you feel to say anything. But he was just getting into worship and he clocked me in the face on the way up. That was my public display of affection. But you know what? I don't struggle with that. I love my marriage. I feel really content in my marriage. So I don't struggle and look at Mike and Christelle's marriage and go, oh, I wish I had what they had. Now, I was praying before I got married for a husband who could sing. 
Praise the Lord. He gave me what I needed, not what I wanted. But if you hear does sing, God bless you. Um, you don't struggle. Rap. Yes. Um, you don't struggle with someone who is completely unlike you or a situation that is completely unlike you. Where you struggle is someone who is maybe a little bit better than you, but in the same situation as you. If you're a teenager today, you might look at someone in their late 20s, but you don't struggle with them. You're like, they are old. But if you're a teenager, you struggle with someone who's a teenager as well, but maybe a little bit better at school, a little bit better at sport, a little bit better in a social setting. That's who you struggle with. If you're early 30s, you're not struggling with someone in their late 50s. You're struggling with someone in their early 30s who's doing a little bit better than you, a little bit bigger house than you, a little bit better job than you. That is who you struggle with. We struggle with people like us. I want you to consider for a second John the Baptist, whose cousin on his mum's side was Jesus Christ. We might go, well, we know we're not Jesus, but here's John. John's got this amazing birth story. His dad was worshipping in the temple and this angel called Gabriel comes along and says, you're going to have a son. It's going to be amazing. Everyone in the room is going to clear their throat on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and he says he's going to have the power and the spirit of Elijah. He's going to teach the Jewish people how to turn back to God and he's going to prepare the way for Yahweh. No way, Yahweh. And, and he's going to prepare, Fritzy, that one's for you. Um, he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. So this amazing birth story, the only thing was is that on the other side, his auntie, Mary, also has an amazing birth story for her son. Same angel goes to her and says, you're going to have a son. And she says, probably not because... That needs something to happen in order for that to happen. And God says, no, no, it's going to be a miracle. The angel says it's going to be a miracle. God's going to do this and he will be God's own son. And Mary says, whatever you say, I'll do it. So here's John, amazing birth story. But then he's got his cousin, Jesus, who also has an amazing birth story. John starts his ministry. People are coming down to the river in droves. It's just as the angel told his dad. They're turning back to God. They're getting baptised. But then along comes Jesus and his crowd starts to grow. And even some of John's disciples leave him and go with Jesus. How did John not struggle with Jesus? Because John knew who he aren't. When we've got to know who we aren't, who he isn't, if my mum is listening, I know I did it on purpose. Know who you aren't. Know who you aren't. Know who you aren't. You aren't Jesus, obviously, but you also aren't your cousin. Think of the person that you might struggle with comparison. You aren't them. When I was a young mum, those of you who remember, my kids are just a mess when they came to church. They, like, every other mum, their hair was perfect, their kids' hair was perfect, their, their clothes were perfect, they were dressed in organic bamboo cotton and, and, and they had compartmentalised snacks. My kids were, like, ferreting through the drawers at church trying to find biscuits and, and leaving crumbs everywhere. And, and I, I said to Daz, I feel like I'm just not good enough. And he said, Bron, do you want to be those mums? And I went, no, I love those mums. They're amazing, but I don't want to be them. I like being me. And he's like, well, forget it. You're not them. And know who you aren't. Now, could I learn? Yes, I could put shoes on my children's feet. But I, 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 I could learn, but, but I don't need to be anyone else. Know who you aren't. Don't, don't only know who you aren't, know what you aren't. 
I, I spent most of my life feeling really like I was a super organised person. And only a couple of years ago, Dad said to me, Bron, you feel like you're a super organised person because you're comparing yourself to me. You are not organised. And I was like, yes, you're right. I'm really not organised. It was freedom. Now, that doesn't, of course, give me licence then to do whatever I like and forget organisation. But to know who I wasn't and to know what I wasn't gave me a sense of liberation. And it frees you. Know who you aren't and know what you aren't. Know what you aren't. It's not an excuse to not do anything. You can't say, well, I'm not really a loving person, so I'm just going to be a jerk to everybody. No, you've got to, you've got to love. There's things that we have to grow in. But know what you aren't. Here's what else you aren't. You aren't your past. You aren't your most recent hiccup. You aren't your biggest stuff up. You aren't your past. So when the enemy comes to accuse you and says, how about this? Say, oh, yeah, I know about that. I know about that, but that's not who I am. I'm actually following Jesus. That's who I am. And I'm a child of God. So know who you aren't and know what you aren't. But then we need to think about who we are. Who are you? Who even are you? And to know who you are, there's three things that I want to point out. That you need to be humble in your heart, comfortable in your skin, and confident in your call. Humble in your heart. Humble in your heart. Anyone a teenager in the 90s and, or 2000s and sang this song, I'm going to be a history maker in this land. Me neither. <laughs> I hope that somewhere in our location someone was. You're like, oh, I know the words. I can't recognise the tune. Um, <laughs> but that is the tune. But it had like this cool, like um, rocky open, like and everyone gets super pumped up, all the teenagers in the room. Yeah, we're going to make a difference. We're going to change history. But the problem is that in order to change history, we feel like we have to do something massive. We have to do something massive. I want you to think about John for a second because there was a time, John the Baptist, after he did what he had to do, that he's in prison awaiting death. Awaiting death. And he sends out a message to Jesus and says, are you who they say you are or should we be waiting for someone else? John has just spent his life on the premise that Jesus is who he says he is. And now he's in prison and he has to consider, did I just do all that for nothing? So he sends out word to Jesus and Jesus says, hey, think about all the things that I've done. Think about all the things that I've shown you and blessed is a person who doesn't stumble because of me. He's just hang on, hang on. And so often history making is about hanging on rather than doing massive big things. The problem is you get to your 20s and you're like, yeah, there's still time for me to do something awesome. You get to your 30s, yeah, there's still time for me to do something awesome. You get to your 40s and you find it hard to tie your shoelaces and you're like, can I though? I want to do big things for God. I want to do big things for God. But maybe that's just my mindset because God doesn't talk about me doing big things for Him. He talks about me doing good things for Him, good things. When I was at colour in my late 20s. I looked down on the platform. There was Priscilla Shira getting ready. She was doing some kind of sound checky thing, weapon of a speaker. And God said to me, Bron, I'm going to make you great. And I'm looking at Priscilla Shira and going, yes, you, yes, you. Wow. Okay. And he said immediately, gave me time to think that and immediately said, but not in the way you think. And I just want to tell you, Gyra people, that it was through going to Gyra that I learnt what he meant. Because at that time, there were about five people in Gyra. Shout out to Stuart Broad. And 
And I just loved them like crazy. God gave me such a love for the people of Gaira where that meant going and speaking in Gaira to five people meant just as much to me as any kind of weed platform or anything else. I was like, wow, this is a good thing for me to do. Let God take care of the big things. I just need to do the good things. Listen to what he says in his word, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Ephesians 2, 10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. 2 Timothy 2, 21, If you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensil for honourable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. When Jesus was on the earth, he went about doing good. That's what he did, just went about doing good. So there's going to be an opportunity every day for you to do something good. I don't think that any one of us would argue that what God has planned for each one of us is good. I just wonder if we were the ones who decided that for those Things to be good things, they had to be big things. Can we take that out of our brain and just get about doing good? Humble in your heart, comfortable in your skin. Galatians 6, 4-5 says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Comfortable in your skin. Let me give you three things. Kick comparison to the curb. Kick comparison to the curb. John's disciples came to Jesus and said, how come we have to fast and your disciples are eating and drinking and hanging out with all kinds of people? And Jesus said, well, while the bridegroom's with them, they don't have to fast, but, but he'll go and then that will be their season of fasting. John's disciples were comparing themselves to Jesus' disciples. Kick comparison to the curb. Segway, speaking of weddings, <clears throat> John didn't have a main character mindset. Main character mindset. I didn't know that this was a thing. But I was talking to a teenager recently. I said, how are you going? And she's like, yeah, yeah, good. Look, my friends are bugging me a bit. And I said, oh, really? What's going on? She said, oh, they've got a main character mindset. I said, what's that? And she's like, everything's about them. Just everything. It's like, achoo. Oh, did you hear my sneeze? Oh, my gosh, I'm so cute. <laughs> and everything is about them and everything revolves around them. And she said, I get it because I feel like everything revolves around me. I've got a main character mindset. But when there's a lot of people in the room with a main character mindset, it gets a little bit exhausting. Main character mindset. John did not have a main character mindset. He said, I'm happy just to be the guy who stands with the bridegroom. I'm happy to stand aside and go, yes, go you. I'll celebrate your success. Let me become less and less and let you increase and increase because his life didn't revolve around him. His life revolved around the son of God. How cool is it that we as a people, as a planet, revolve around the sun? It speaks to what we're meant to do. Our whole life is meant to revolve around the sun. Main character mindset. And then the, pe- the pressure of perception. So kick comparison to the curb, let go of your mind, main character mindset and let go of the pressure of perception. We had a holiday a week, just gone. It was awesome. Got so bored. Felt very like, how has my life become so lame that I love being bored on holidays and just fully relaxing. It was unreal. And I slept and read three books. It was great. Went to the beach every morning, rain, hail or shine. And, and one day coming back from the beach, I saw an old man coming towards me. Now, I have a perception when it comes to older gentlemen. To me, they're, they're going to be really nice and 
friendly and speak very nicely and, and be well-spoken. I don't know where I got this. Maybe my granddad, he was the most beautiful, gentle, well-spoken man that you can think of. And so this old man's coming towards me, I gave him a smile, and he said, there you go. It's like, wow, wow, you just put, how are you going? Four words into, I don't even know how to spell that, there you go. I'm like, I am in Queensland, this is amazing. I had this pressure of perception for this poor man. I, I expected him to be super articulate and well-spoken, but instead he comes out, yeah, Alan. and I understood him. It was amazing. We all have pressure of perception of how we think that people want us to be and perceive us to be, and we just need to let it go. It's too much for us. Know who you are and know who you aren't. John was okay with fading into the background because he didn't have to prove anything. He was okay. So comfortable in your skin and finally confident in your call. Confident in your call. Confident in your call. The amazing thing about John is that he just did what he knew to do. That's all he did. And they asked him, are you Elijah? They said, nah, I'm just a voice calling in the wilderness. But what we know from the other Gospels is that they asked Jesus, who was John? He said, he's the new Elijah. What we know is that Gabriel, the angel, said to Zachariah, his dad, he's going to be like Elijah. <clears throat> but John was like, I don't need a title. I don't need a role. I don't need a box to put myself in. I think sometimes <clears throat> we love to have a neat, tidy title so that we know who we are. Anyone else feel like that? I, I want to know who I am. So <clears throat> maybe I'm called to this and I want to put a name on it so that I can feel like, oh, that's who I am. But John just got about doing what he knew to do. He just kept going and, and, and doing what Jesus or oh God had asked him to do. He's like, I don't need a title. He said, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. I don't need to strive for a title, for a name or for a purpose or for a calling and such. I'll just do what I know to do. I feel like that we're all called to obedience. If we got less concerned with being the call of God on our life and what is our purpose, which are important questions, but we just got about doing what we know to do, then we could be confident in our call as children of God. Um, amazing story was that a lady, Daz was talking to a pastor from the Central Coast and a lady had showed up to his church. And he said, what brought you to church? And she said, oh, my kids are in Lismore. And there was a team from a church in Tamworth that went up and shoveled mud. And he said, she said, and I thought, if a church can show up like that for people that they don't even know and shovel mud, then that, that, that's something I need to check out and be a part of. Now, I just wonder if Linnea and Emma and Chris and, and Frank and whoever else was there, Catherine and whoever else was there, if they were like, yes, I feel called to this right now. Man, this is the title of my calling. If they just went, I've got something in my hand, I can use it, I'll go do it. And yet that woman ending up in church and hopefully committing a life to Jesus is as a result of them giving a few days of their life. And they should hear the well done, good and faithful servant. And yeah, amen. Yes, Lenore. Amen. Confident in your call. Know who you are, humble in your heart, confident, comfortable in your skin and confident in your call. Well, know who you are, know who you aren't. I'm going to pray. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.